Hello all, welcome back to the No Run Podcast. I'm Conor O'Hickey and today we're joined with Ed Wilson, the Women's and Girls Development Officer for Oxfordshire Cricket Board. How are we, Ed? Good, thank you. Good evening. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, well, without further ado, we'll just kind of get get jump right into it. Uh, what first of all, what is what does your role contain at the Oxfordshire Cricket Board? Um, so it's quite encompassing, really. So it's participation led. So we're trying to encourage more women and girls to get into cricket. Um, so there's a few different angles to that. It's getting more women into playing that might not necessarily come from a cricket background. So how do we engage a new audience? Um, and then also making sure that girls are getting in playing at clubs, at schools, at community centres, that kind of stuff. Um, and also there's a bit of a transition from all stars now. So all stars have been really good at getting new families and new girls in particular into clubs. So how do we then transition them into becoming actual softball or hardball cricket players? Um, and then there's, over the winter, how do we go about keeping women engaged? So indoor leagues, um, can we get more female coaches in the county? That's another uh, part of my role as well. Um, so yeah, a bit of everything really. Sounds a bit sounds full on a lot to, to juggle. Do you so yeah. do you kind of have to have a focus in uh, schools as well as clubs uh, to try and get uh, girls into into cricket? Yeah, so there's a program called Chance to Shine, which um, you know people might be familiar with. So they do a lot of good work up and down the the country. And as a cricket board, we deliver uh, on that. So my my colleague uh, Zoe leads on the Chance to Shine program. So we're in primary schools all year round, you know, from September right to the end of a school term in, in June or July, whenever that is. Um, so we engage a lot of children that way. Um, but where my role comes in really is trying to make that a bit more meaningful. So if we're going into schools, how can we then connect those kids to a, to a nearby club? Um, so it's not just a case of going into school for five weeks. We can try and get something a bit more lasting. Um, so my role would be to contact clubs and saying, we're in these schools. What nights do you train? Who's your women and girls contact officer at the club? Can we start getting pushing these girls towards your club at training nights and and creating a bit of a link there really um and then secondary schools we've just started a secondary school program this year um we're doing a lot of girls only uh, sessions and a lot of that's about leadership as well so not just coaching the girls but actually giving the girls the confidence to be able to run a safe cricket session um and create those leadership skills that will hopefully take them forward into life as well as cricket how, how have you seen the the uptake and interest in the in the last couple of years following like the, the success of the hundred and the, the women's national team that have uh, been flying recently? Has that had a, an impact at all on people wanting to take part? Yeah, it's grown massively. I mean, in terms of participation, numbers are, are up across the the county and the country in terms of women and girls playing cricket. Um, a lot, I think, All Stars has helped in that as well. It's got a lot of new families into cricket, and then off the back of that, you know, a lot of parent volunteers that that want to help that probably haven't always been associated with a cricket club. Um, in the past, it was always sort of second and third generation cricket families that would, would go to a cricket club. So it's opened that up a lot more now. Um, more exposure on the, the TV, more exposure across social media. Um, I think it's all helped. Uh, and then also, um, there's quite a few more female coaches. Um, certainly in Oxfordshire over the last 12 months, we've probably um, had 20 new female coaches. Um, I think it's powerful for a girl if they can see a female coach, um, you know, you can't be what you can't see. So the more uh, ladies we can get out there volunteering and coaching and, and running at clubs, the more it will just seem like a normal thing, which it absolutely should be. Yeah, because obviously over the over the years, cricket has been a heavily male-dominated sport. And that's probably why, as you said, if you, you can't see what you can't be, it's probably why um, 
girls uh, haven't really felt interested in it. So starting up from the top is definitely a, a fantastic approach to to keep improving things. Yeah, I think so. And it's also how do we make the the places where they're they're playing more welcoming and more engaging. Um, so from Oxfordshire cricket point of view, we we struck up a partnership with um, a company called Fab Little Bags, which provides uh, sanitary and disposal products for to female cricketers um, and we've distributed those to the 23 or 24 clubs that um, have a girls team in Oxfordshire um, and also promoted them to the, to the wider a wider network as well but you know little things like that that probably you don't even necessarily think about you know girls that that might be going through their their menstrual cycle at different different times might feel uncomfortable about playing sport um, not knowing necessarily what provisions are there but you know we want people to have the confidence to turn up and play knowing that things like that are taken care of off the pitch. Yeah, then it's all about making sure everybody feels accommodated to her, all their individual needs and whatnot. And yeah. creating that sort of environment and those sort of initiatives, um, it, it definitely sends the right message to people, um, which yeah. I think is a big thing. 100%. Yeah. Um, but then, so how did you come How did you come into your role at the Oxford Cricket Board? Um. So I've been involved in cricket for a long time. Um, I don't live in Oxfordshire. I live um, I live in Warwickshire, but um, I've always been keen to get into cricket full time. When the job came up about I think eighteen months ago, um, probably just short just short of eighteen months ago, and I seen it and went through the process and applied and and luckily um, you know I was successful. But it's been a a really big sort of 15, 16 months with really coming out of the back of COVID. Um, you know, trying to re-engage those those clubs that probably don't prioritise women's cricket as much as they should. Um, also making sure we get some meaningful competitions off the ground. You know, we're, we're very good at doing, um, you know, softball festivals and participation festivals. Um, and then can we link things into a little bit more um, towards our pathway a little bit? So now we've got under nines, under 11s, under 13s, under 15s, girls only competitions across Oxfordshire, um, which is massive for us. And over the next couple of years, I think we'll reap the benefits in terms of number of girls playing at clubs. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lot of hard work, but we're getting off the ground. There's a lot of goodwill in Oxfordshire. Um, certainly in the in the female game. So we're getting a lot of good people doing a lot of good things at clubs, which makes my job a lot easier. Yeah. Um that's always that's always a bonus, which is which is fantastic. And for the the pathway type of aspect towards it, obviously this is kind of like these initiatives are kind of in like ground level, getting people just involved in um cricket. Uh but once uh, for, for for young females especially there's never been a, a sort of clear pathway towards a professional game or a professional environment or uh, a higher level of uh, cricket. Um, what what sort of areas of that has changed recently and how has it improved for girls to come through? So it's a genuine career option for a young girl now. You know, you could um, become a pro. I think at the minute there's around 70 professional female cricketers in the UK, which is still way short of where we, we probably need to be. But that's up from, it was probably 20 a couple of years ago and then 40 and 60. So it's moving in the right direction, probably not as quick as, uh, certainly I, I would like um, probably people that are on the fringes of a professional contract would like um, but it's definitely a career option for a girl now um, I think we lost a lot of uh, a lot of girls at sort of 15 16 17 before because there was no real career to be made out of cricket it was more of a you know it's a hobby and a and a privilege to play at that level but there was no, nothing financially rewarded um, whereas now girls can dedicate their life to cricket and, and get financially rewarded for it so yes it's, it's obviously much better and hopefully that's more attractive to people as well um, I've been speaking to your, your colleague uh, about the same kind of aspect in the the males, the men's game, and the the, the boys coming through. Um, do you kind of have as uh, Oxfordshire is not really a, a a first like a main county in cricket? 
but uh, is there a sort of clear pathway or partnership with the um, first class female county clubs? Yes, so we're linked in with the Southern Vipers. Um, so we're part of their, their area. So they, um, our players that progress through to professional cricket would progress through the Vipers uh, route. So we've already got um, a couple of girls that have come through Oxfordshire to go on to play for the Vipers and a couple at the minute that are in the Vipers Academy system, which is very exciting. Um, so that's that's the pathway for a, a female in Oxfordshire anywhere, you know, in the south, south sort of counties. Do you think uh, maybe the potential for uh, more professional clubs, female, more professional female clubs, uh, if there's uh, an increase in numbers of them, um, would that send like the right sort of message to young girls wanting to play and would it help provide opportunities for uh, future female cricketers coming through? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's important to, to understand that, you know, even in in the men's and boys game of cricket, there's thousands and thousands of people up and down the country that enjoy the game without being professional. Um, so it's it's not all performance-led. It's great that we can grow that talent pool and push more girls through to a professional route. But just getting more women and girls playing recreationally at grassroots level, um, it's going to be good for for clubs in general. I think um, I think females make good committee members. Um, you know, they they generally speak a lot of sense and yeah. don't get into politics as much as as, as the male counterparts can do. Less um, you know, there's, yeah, there's, there's roles. There's, there's a lot of roles for a lot more roles for people in in local cricket that, that can help to inspire people. It's not all about getting a professional contract, but if they if we can get more girls into the system, it's gonna it's gonna make that talent gap a little bit bigger. Uh, as I, I touched on a bit uh, earlier about the 100, the, the female 100 competition was uh, an outstanding success uh, last year. Um, and how has that kind of, is it kind of spurred you on to a sense that there's a, there's, a, there's a clear way that we're making a lot of, maybe not as much progress as we want, but significant progress having the, um, the first game of the competition ever being a female's game? Um, or in front of packed crowds, is is that sort of sending the right message to to keep going? Yeah, it's making you know women's cricket cool, isn't it? You know, it's on the telly. It's all the razzmatazz that you'd associate with with the men's competition, um, and it's absolutely the right image we need to portray. And I think the messaging of having a women's game on first was 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 massive. It was a really big statement. Um, and then you're starting to see a lot more girls engaged now, and they can they can name professional female cricketers as role models which is is fantastic and that's what really what we're about trying to create those role models and those pathways for girls but seeing more stuff you know the 100 I think was very good for the women's game um, and I, th I think the, the way that women's county cricket itself probably lends itself better to the 100 format um, and the pathways there and I think access to it on free to air tv was important people can actually watch cricket on the telly but I think it's just important that when we have events like that like the 100 like we had the women's ashes in the winter the women's world cup recently I think there's, there's women's cricket at the Commonwealth Games later this year, which is T20. All these kind of things that are going to be in the public eye, we need to just tap into and make sure we're, we're shouting about it and promoting the game widely. Exactly, because it's, it's definitely a massive opportunity, especially with the, the Commonwealth Games, um, as it's not been, it's not happened before. Um, and it, it kind of gives, a, as it's a, a nationwide tournament uh, through multiple different facets of sport, it's going to bring a wider fan base or what an interest in um to women's cricket it's definitely gonna get more eyes on and so have you got plans in place for the the back end of the summer so obviously there's going to be interest is it is it it's something that you're planning for now or is it going to be like a reaction type thing 
Um, so I think in terms of planning now, we need to make sure we capitalise on on the marketing and the the noise that's going to be around it in the Commonwealth Games and make sure that we're ready for that. But as a as a cricket board, we are already. I mean, I'm already talking to clubs about a potential um, softball league the back end of the summer for women's teams, which is we haven't done before, um, like a midweek social softball league, but tagged onto the back of the Commonwealth Games. And then we've got a couple of um, Commonwealth style festivals lined up for later uh, in the summer, which we can tie in with the Commonwealth Games. Um, but I think the key is going to be making the most of that opportunity while it's going on. Um, yeah, and I think that's going to, it's going to, I can already see it's going to go down as a, a massive success. I've been arguing with the, my friends saying that the women's hundreds had a way bigger impact and way, it was way big, bigger success uh, than the men's game. Um, so I can only see the women's game going from strength to strength. But what, what, something I want to talk to you about is that it's often seen as a comparison to the men's game. But I've seen like chatter from a few of the the, the women's England teams saying that it, it shouldn't be compared. It's its own sort of thing. Um, what are your like thoughts on that? Do you think it should be kind of viewed as its own sport or still in cohesion with the the men's game? Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't compare the two. I I work across um, the the female pathway as well, and I don't compare it to the men's game. There's um, there's similarities in terms of the, you know the techniques and the the skills in in the game of cricket, but um, you know, I think you've just got to, uh, what I think I'd encourage people, generally the ones with those opinions of people that have watched very little um, women's cricket. Um, so I'd say watch more female cricket and open your mind a little bit to, to the standard. It's, you know, the bowlers aren't as fast as the men, but technically it's a very, very good standard of cricket, I believe. And uh, it's only going to get better the more contracts we have. You know, if we only had 70 professional males in the country, the standard wouldn't be as good as it is now where we've got couple of hundred so when the women get to that point um, I'm sure the standard will be even better even still. And looking for the sort of older age of women's uh, wanting to take part in cricket so obviously you've got the the initiatives for schools and um, and clubs and stuff like that and age group sort of stuff um, but how about for females that have never played it before as, as they're getting older is there any work being done to provide more opportunities for first-time cricketers later on in life? Yeah, yeah. So we run a series of um, women's softball festivals throughout the year. I think we've got seven in our diary for this year, uh, one or two a month throughout the summer. Um, and that's sort of aimed at people that want to play, but it's social cricket. It's a sort of festival format throughout the day, six aside, and you play four or five games across the morning. The host club normally puts on a barbecue and has a bar open and makes a bit of a day of it. And it's just a really nice environment. So we had a couple of tournaments last year where we had, you know, 60, 70 women turn up and plus umpires and scorers on each pitch and that kind of stuff so it's it's really good and a nice way i think just to get into cricket if you've never been before it's a very welcoming environment um the standard is it's not important whether you've played before or not it's very welcoming and everyone has a go everyone has a bat everyone has a bowl um so yeah i mean we do quite a lot of that and that's probably that's something that we do really well across oxfordshire Looking for more like long-term strategies within the next five years, have you, do you guys start planning ahead for where you want it ideally to go to and what kind of steps you have uh, to put in place for it to, to hit your to hit your goals um, and achievements? Yeah, so I think, to, to put it simply, you just don't want to take a backward step. So every year you want more girls to play, more women to play, so potentially um, more competitions for them to enter, more teams entering those competitions, more softball festivals, more teams entering these softball festivals, more co more female coaches going back into the women's game. Um, and I think if you're growing year on year your numbers, then you're on the right track. It's uh, if things start to to dip or go the other way, then it's, that's when I'll be be concerned. But 
my my plan would be for next year to have more women and girls involved in cricket than there is this year and in five years time to have more women and girls involved than we've ever had so it, it doesn't change and so for is is there a sort of uh, thought that it could be pushed more in schools as a viable competitive uh, sport for schools to uh, teenage girls to play um across different schools different tournaments and stuff like that yes yeah, so, yeah i mean it's um it's a difficult conversation about the uh, certainly in in state schools i mean we're, we're trying to get to as many as we can as a, a cricket board um but a lot of schools still do rounders um and my my issue with that i mean i don't have a problem with any sport i'd encourage any sport but with rounders there's not much of an exit route um i know we do have a national rounders team but there's not many clubs locally where people can go and play outside whereas i think cricket is is very well set up to to go into schools deliver taster sessions and then feed people into clubs so i think i'd like to have and i do have conversations with schools and i'd like to have more about you know trying to trying to move cricket in as more of a priority over, over things like maybe rounders where the exit routes aren't there and i think that would would be a good starting point for us and what sort of stuff is the ecb doing to help out what sort of schemes and support that they give you and other local communities to try and uh, help your job um so from a coaching point of view the ecb send uh, us bursaries where we can use to subsidize places for females on coaching courses um, and we also do that for um, diverse uh, ethnicity groups as well uh, to try and get more people from diverse backgrounds into into cricket coaching so that's something that we use well um, We've also been given secondary school funding this year, which means we can deliver a certain amount of, of hours to, to as many secondary schools as we can fit in. Um, and it's something that's constantly evolving. From a primary school point of view, obviously, Chance to Shine are the nationally recognised uh, funding stream for that. They're a charity that, that develop it, and I think the ECB are looking at ways of, of growing the game into, into secondary schools or growing their secondary school offering. And it's something I know that Oxfordshire cricket as a cricket board are looking to develop their their secondary school offering as well. So um, all I'd say is watch watch this space. That's, that's fantastic, that because it's always been something that, especially when I was at school, that I never there was never a a females cricket team. Um, uh, at any school I went to, there was, was only males, and then it was yeah. like the, the sports that were pushed to were a rounders, then hockey as well. Hockey kind of has yeah. the same. Uh, has a, quite a, a lot. The hockey is a very viable sport for for girls to play, and and there's a lot of interest in that sort of aspect of it. Um, I've always kind of seen that, as especially as the women's game is growing, that that kind of level of um, well, not to say the wrong word, but uh, interest and desire to to be competitive amongst fellow schools. Um, and get rivalries going and create a bit of um, oh, not, not necessarily passion, but like a, a, a fiery competitive aspect of it. Um, yeah. And what do you think kind of needs to be done to to set up a, a team, sports teams, to be like parallel in a, in a sense like that? Um, so, well, in terms of hockey, there's a lot of transferable skills between cricket yeah. and hockey. We do see quite a lot of... Um, women and girls that do play cricket that also play hockey um, and there's not a massive crossover in terms of the season so I know in you know in boys cricket for example the football season runs till June they have two weeks off in the back training in July so and normally people get asked to make a bit of a choice but um, I think in in hockey and cricket there's a it doesn't cross over as much 
Um, in terms of getting schools more competitive, I think it's just, you know, it needs collaboration between county boards, clubs and schools to, to get together and organise internal festivals between schools, whether it's, you know, schools didn't travel much during COVID um, and some are still a little bit nervous to, to arrange school trips out, which is fine. So can we go into a school and arrange a, an internal festival, um, which we have done in some cases, and then try and maybe get clubs to, to host um, schools at their ground. Um, so you're not always playing at the school grounds. You get girls actually to their local club and they can see what it's all about. Um, so yeah, there's a, I think there's a, a bit more work to there's a well, there's, from my point of view, there's a lot more work to do in that area, but it's something that we are definitely aware of and trying to trying to come up with solutions for. Do, do you kind of think that like exposure to the the, the top level of the women's game uh, um, to younger girls and girls cricket clubs, if they get more exposure to maybe going to games, um, uh, seeing more girls' games on TV? enjoying the better experiences um do you, do you think that's going to have a, a a massive impact and how would you be able to as a as a board be able to uh, accommodate for that yeah i mean it's the more you can watch i've said it before i mean you can't be what you can't see so the more that you see the more you can aspire to it but also how we how we capture those opportunities and market it is going to be really important because how people consume data now is very different to how they consumed it 20 or 30 years ago. Um, I mean, you know, little Snapchats and TikTok videos that are 10 seconds long is probably sometimes all people watch when they're sc scrolling through their social media. So just be smarter with your adverts. Um, you know, you see a couple of years ago, you'd see clubs promoting, you know, I've got a classic example. I've seen a club promoting a new girls team that are launching and all the images with boys playing cricket. Um, so just little things like that, you know, get your messaging right, get your marketing right. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to turn up at a club if all the images were, yeah. were about boys as a, as a young girl. But, um, you know, just little things like that, we've just got to be smarter and a bit better at, at being more inclusive, I think. And it, would there be kind of like a, a chance to encourage schools to take uh, girls out to see a game, for example, when the 100's on or when the T20 Blast's on before the end of term? If they could have an evening or a day out of one of the games and encourage them to to go that way would um is it something that could be possible at all yeah i think so so we've got links with vipers i mean the difficulty we have in oxfordshire is that there's no you know professional county operating within oxfordshire if we were in you know um, um what's classed as a major county when you had your own um professional ground there you could probably get there easier um so it's you normally have to cross the border and, and do a bit of traveling to get to our nearest first class ground so that can create some issues um but we do have visits from the vipers and the vipers do play a game in oxfordshire this summer so we want to try and tap into that and and promote it um and then also the clubs that host you know our county women's team for example uh, we want them to throw their doors open and reach out to their members and make a big deal of them hosting the, the women's county side um, and only by doing that can we continue to grow the game and we've I've been to um women's games before where some clubs do it really well you know that the bars open the barbecues going there's lots of families there watching i mean i've been to some clubs where you know it's, the changing rooms are open and that's it i mean it feels like there's, there's nobody there um so my my advice would be clubs have got to shout about it when they're hosting women's games they've got to make it make it a big deal because it is a big deal it's a privilege to host a, a county match um and then we've got to just try and take if we can't get people to cricket we've got to try and get cricket to them yeah, and and the as you mentioned about the marketing, the, the fantastic powers of social media, um, especially amongst the generation, would be an ideal environment. Um, especially TikTok with its yeah. short, short, sharp videos, 
Um, and is is there some sort of like uh, a way you've thought of like a marketing scheme or uh, some sort of marketing campaign or encouraging more of the uh, older older uh, female players to like document or share their experiences? Um, is there kind of a way to get that kind of driven up? Yeah, so the um, ECB have launched a marketing campaign this year called We Got Game, and it's got its own Instagram page. And and what they do is they'll get, you know, a day in the life of a professional cricketer. They'll also get um, women that are new to cricket to document their experience of going to a club net or playing a match or, or stuff. So, you know, I follow that content really closely. And when I speak to people that are looking to get into cricket, I advise them to try and follow the, the We Got Game movement that's on, on Instagram. It's some really good stuff. And I think it appeals to, to everybody. I think that the key is that they've not missed a trick. They're not just targeting young girls that want to be professional cricketers. You know, they're targeting women that might be playing club cricket for the first time and are a bit nervous about attending a net session. And you can kind of see that whole process. So, yeah, I think that's a good good place to start. Um, and then as a cricket board, we, we just build on that by, you know, signposting people to that. Uh, that sort of stuff is, is, is going to be like gold dust, I guess, with um, yeah. getting people interested. Because if they see something that's, especially young people, very impressionable, and if they see something that is, is becoming more popular and it looks kind of fun, um, yeah. it'll be definitely something that they want to want to get involved in. But um, as 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 getting involved in cricket um, is always kind of uh, it's not as simple as it kind of seems. As you got to get your kit, you got to get your uh, uh, you, you pay your fees, all that sort of stuff. So it's not exactly uh, cheap to get into. Is there is there kind of ways to help encourage people to look past that sort of stuff um, to get involved? Yeah. So a fair number of the the clubs in Oxfordshire that, that offer women and girls cricket try and remove those those barriers in terms of um, in terms of cost and in terms of equipment. So I know a couple of clubs have got huge kit bags that they they use for their women's sessions because you know trying to introduce them to hardball and then asking them to go out and pay two hundred pound plus for for hardball kit it's probably not going to happen. But you know get get girls in their nets and get them to try it out and use a club's kit and make it fairly accessible, make it as cheap as you possibly can. Um, I know when you've got facility high, that's always difficult. You can't always give it away for free, but you know, a couple of quid here and there is is good. You don't want to be asking people for huge signing on fees. Um, so a lot of clubs actually do that do that really well. Um, and it's our job, you know, where we can as a cricket board to try and help those clubs to to come up with those suggestions and provide them with kit where we can. And we've donated some kit to to a local state secondary school, which has, has gone down really well, and they're actually playing cricket this this summer term and got a number of fixtures. So. There's a couple of success stories out there, but it's, you know, we, we want to try and do a lot more. We always want to do more. I think even if every school in the country played, we're trying to find a way to to find one more school that we haven't been in. So, yeah, it's always, you're always trying to get more involved. Exactly. That's, a, that's a fantastic way to look at it because um, I've always thought the women's game has been fantastic. Um, and, and it's just been a shame that it's not been as highly played as, as, it, as it could be. And yeah. Um, I think the, the future for it is, is is looking bright. It could be brighter because it's hard work that's got to be get done. Um, yeah. But I, I definitely see a big future for the women's game. Yeah, what excites me is we're in a better place now than we were five years ago. And you know, I'd I'd love to think that in five years' time again we'll be in an even better place. So to just to be a small part of that journey in terms of my role at Oxfordshire is is quite exciting. And I hope um, that clubs, you know, we've got twenty four clubs that offer girls cricket in Oxfordshire at the minute, um, out of eighty. Um, so I'd like to get that up to, ideally I'd like to get up to 80, but you know, we, you've got to go baby steps, go from 25 to 40 to 60, 
Um, but there's no reason why clubs should not have O'Gills offering it there at their cricket club. So it's trying to break down those barriers and they, have, they can be generational and breaking up, you know, sometimes old old committees that, that are a bit stuck in their ways and you just got to move with the times and, and open up your membership, I think. So we'll get there. We're getting there. Um, and there's still still work to do, but there's still a lot of good work going on that always sometimes goes unnoticed. So, you know, I want to, I do want to praise those clubs that do it really well, but also, you know, give a little elbow to the clubs yeah. that probably need to wake up a little bit more. And what sort of uh, what what sort of um, projects and um, initiatives have you got on the the current um, plan for this this season? What have you got lined up for this summer to help? In terms of getting more people into playing, yeah, yeah. So, um, but the, the the initiatives for the, the the season that you like to ideally implement and see it succeed. Yeah. So, in in terms of like um, competitions, we've We've introduced girls-only competitions now. We, we do under-9s and under-11s girls festivals, which we haven't done before. And we're in under-13s and under-15s league. Um, so we've got a good amount. At the under-11s festival the other week, we had 80 girls along to that. Um, we had 30 girls at an under-9s festival. So um, numbers are growing all the time. We've got seven or eight softball festivals. And then the back end of this year, we'll try and have um, something themed, Commonwealth Games themed and linking with that. So yeah, just uh, as much playtime as possible and try and maximise the the short summer that we have and the very few good days of weather that we have as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, that kind of wraps it all up today. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It was it was it was lovely chatting to you. Thanks for having me. No, yeah, and um, good luck for the the rest of the season. Thank you. Just get out and watch as many women's games as you can because exactly. the stand is really good. Yeah, and I'll pour as many people as I can to get out and watch. <laughs>